Welcome back to season three of Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Aiden Driscoll. And I'm Olivia O'Neill. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing the relationship between the creator and its audience. Yes, Aiden and I are going to be going head-to-head in a very deep, meaningful discussion. We'll also share some thoughts with y'all about how to introduce new ideas into the creative process, as well as a story or two about visiting the dentist office. So, sit back and enjoy this week's episode of... Between Takes... Check, 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 check. That's annoying. Um, okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Welcome to season three, everybody. Woot woot! We are super excited. Um, I was going to say welcome back, but this is the first time we've been to season three of Between Takes with Hopeful Entertainment. It's true, we made the third season now. Right. It's awesome. And you know, statistically speaking, the third season is the best, and it's kind of downhill from there. Hmm. Well, not statistically speaking. That's like a couple shows I can think of. But they're TV shows, and that's different than podcasts. It's true. The statistics don't quite. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like the first one, you're figuring it out. The second one. Well, podcast or comedy shows? I don't know. I'm thinking about plays now. <laughs> like performance, like theater plays. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's like the first one, you're like new and energized. And do like make a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. but at least the energy's there. The second one is like the overconfidence. Yeah. And then the third one, it's like everything is right. Usually. Yeah, well, not always. I was thinking this earlier today. I don't remember what sparked my brain to think about this, but oh, it was because we were talking about Liv and I were talking about just like ideas and prospects and and just stuff, creating <laughs> stuff, putting stuff out there, and uh, we were talking and like as soon as Liv brought up these ideas, which I thought were like great ideas, I immediately like outwardly shut down. Because I was internally just processing it and trying to think of ideas and trying to figure out how we're going to do this and strategizing and all that. But outwardly, Lib was a little like, well, I mean, you can speak a little bit if you want. But sure. it was a little bit kind of like I, I didn't outwardly it didn't seem like I was receiving it very so well. So it was like discouraged. Oh, sure. Right. So you didn't seem on the same page. Yeah. Right. Right. But I think that's because I'm so used to doing shows where we're working on that one show for like three months and then we perform it for like several weeks and then we're done with that and we move on to the next thing. So the idea of just like a quick, like you were talking about, just like releasing more covers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the idea of just like doing a one-off, putting it out there and then moving on seems like just, it's a foreign thing to me in a way. Right. Even though like people do it all the time. Right. And I, yeah, I think in that instance, it's like um, thinking about it as a big picture of Opal and Opal consists of doing a little cut, co- like the cover, like I think right. if you think of the cover as the end goal... Yeah. That's like can be discouraging because like okay you do it you put it and then what like what's this but right. if you think of it as like repertoire to is that the word that is a word I don't know if that's that, the word I mean oh, but uh, that would apply to yeah to Opal's content as a whole and like who we are and showing people all the different aspects I think that is what encouraged me to post covers and things yeah. but I do think like I mean as many originals as we can get speaking mm. of. Aiden wrote a little song. Oh, yeah. You don't have to share about it, but you can if you want. I wrote a little song. I wrote it in we like two ready. hours. Yeah. That has not happened in so <laughs> long. It's probably been like since we were writing Third Ave. And I feel like we went and we're like, we're going to write a song. Right. And a or, lot of them were, were, here's this concept, and we had a couple lines that we liked. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's like once we actually, like before October ends, we had the course of that forever. And once we actually started writing the rest of it, it was pretty quick, but we had that chorus for like a year before we started working on actually yeah. focusing time on it. Whereas this one was like the idea came to me and a couple hours later the song was finished. Yeah. It's not happening in so long. <laughs> I was so hyped. 
That's awesome. I was so hyped. It was so much fun. It's a fun little ditty. Yeah, I feel like we go through phases of like, okay, now we're writing. And now, like, people do. I mean, that's kind of normal, I guess. Now we're, I mean, in this sense, we're we're in the stage of playing live shows and doing demos work Mm -hmm. and then into recording. But I think it's also important to keep overlap some of those things and like keep your mind being like creative and being like, oh, if I have an idea, write a song right now. Yeah, you know it's hard to like let your mind. And I've had those types of creative ideas, but it's mainly with like a we've had this song for a while, we've had this arrangement of it, and then I have an idea. What if we did it like this and we come up with a new arrangement of it? Mm -hmm. Like that's happened recently in the past, you know, while with several songs, and then we have that one that we don't have a name for the instrumental thing I've been working on, and I guess that came like fairly quick in a way when I actually came up with the idea. Yeah. But that's not like it's instrumental and it's still evolving and it's still anyway. That's a fun one because it's just fun to loop. Anyway, we're talking about things people don't have reference <laughs> for, so that's cool. Um, yeah, we're in season three. This is fun. I'm excited. Me too. Rock on. So, one do you want to talk about like any? Oh, we went to go see Ash this week. Okay, we can talk about talk that. about Ash, Liv. Well, so you, you we talked about Ash. Yeah, if people have been listening. Um, her album Ashlyn was one of like I think my second favorite album Mm -hmm. that we just went over um she is based out of california we actually found out she lived in nashville for a year in her 20s which is kind of random i mean we're gonna yeah and and she uh yeah so anyway she came to nashville and we went to her show and we got to be pretty close because we got there Mm -hmm. pretty early um it was so cool Mm -hmm. it was her and then there was a drummer and then someone on violin and piano not at the same time, but alternating. Yeah. And then the a guitarist. She'd switch back and forth a couple times. Yeah. So, and they were kind of all, like, I feel like it was cool that they were all seen, you know? Yeah. And then she kind of walked around and did all this. That's kind of uninteresting. Um, <laughs> what, her walking around was uninteresting? <laughs> I don't know. Or you no, just me. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine a performance. She kind of did like a right-left, right-left <laughs> maneuver. But I was like a little bit scared you never know, like, what people are like in real life yeah. and whatever. But she seemed really cool, and, like, yeah. she was just having fun. It was her 12th show, and I think she was second to last or maybe third to last. Of the whole tour? That I think so. Oh, really? Maybe this not. It was a pretty short tour then. Okay. Maybe not. But, yeah, anyway, I could be wrong. it was, like, you could tell she was – you could tell, but it wasn't, like, a bad show. You could tell no. that she was, like, a little bit worn. Yeah. But she was, like, having such a good time yeah. with it, though, still. So it was really, really fun. That was fun. I haven't been to a concert where I've like been that close to people. Yeah, there like there are people, people all around you. There I was feel like I was guy like that kept dancing in front of you. That I know, kept obscuring your vision. I know. Aiden <laughs> is so tall. Liv kept asking me. She would like lean over and be like, because the crowd would shift and you'd like be pushed back or over, or over a little bit. And Liv kept turning to me and going, "Can you see?" <laughs> and I'm like, a head taller than off, everyone. The primary demographic here are like teenage girls. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Also, I'm a million feet tall, so <laughs> I kept asking if you wanted like a piggyback ride. But no. Like, we... well, yeah. Can you just like bring in a stool, maybe? <laughs> bring in, like Probably a little step dangerous. ladder for yourself. Yeah. No, I was okay. I found like little windows and stuff. So, but it was really fun. Was but fun. yeah, I haven't really been to a concert like that ever. It's pretty wild. Been to outdoor ones and. More like lounge type concerts right. where you're sitting. But most of the time you've been to concerts that have been artists you don't particularly know very well. Like you knew of Cloud Cold, but it's not like you were like a big fan right. of Cloud Cold. But I like I knew Wild Child when we went to go see them. That's true, I guess. I mean, I knew some others. St- yeah, you're right. right. I knew the Avert Brothers pretty good. I knew Davina. Like right. I saw Davina. Oh yeah, you saw Davina. 
That was cool. But that was like a lounge setting yeah, where you're like but that's like where she, I think. I know. That's why I thought it was awesome. Like exactly the kind of environment that yeah. she puts on a great she, show. They did like a um, South American tour or something like really? that. Really? That's cool. Yeah. So Is anyway, she, I she, actually, oh. oddly enough, I think I prefer like a lounge, like sitting type it concert. Really shock me. <laughs> you want something where people are chill. Well, yeah, I like to clap, be clap, like, clap, 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 no, I listen. like to be excited and like, yeah. I don't know, I, it's, it's a mix. I like, so I, <laughs> I think I like the concert like energy of the crowd, but I want to be in like the VIP section where you're like in a box, mm. but you see, you're part of it because you feel it, but you're not like squished by these people and like being screamed into your ear. Yeah. So like yeah. I can't hear as well. And that's part of it that with, with certain, with certain concerts, if I didn't know Ash and I went to this concert, I don't think I would have had a great time. That's true. And whereas if I didn't know Ash and she did the exact same set, well, I don't know about the exact same set, but right. if it were more of a kind of you come and you sit in chairs, I would have gone like, yeah, she's really good. I like yeah. her. Um, I think when you're actually there sitting in chairs, there's a more inherent, it's a lot easier to be comfortable when it's, a, but mm. whereas like if you're in this, in this setting, there's kind of an inherent uncomfortableness where you're standing for a long time yeah. and people are screaming and jumping up and down and all that and the crowd shifting constantly. Yeah. So it's a kind of thing where it's worth it if you love the band. When I when yeah. you go see Ava Brothers no, it, definitely, pools, it was worth yeah. it because I loved that well, band. Well, Ava Brothers so was different for when I went because it was during like that was different. COVID so we had yeah. like little pens basically. Yeah. Whereas when I saw them in Duluth like we got there like four hours before the show started. Oh wow. I really like the Ava Brothers because they don't have openers on most of their shows. Oh. I, I'm finding... I I like bands. I like smaller artists having the opportunity to open. This is going to sound so pretentious because in a few years, we're going to be wanting to be open I know. For, for these kinds of <laughs> well, artists. Well, I want to open it now. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like some, like three songs into the opening act, the past couple shows we've gone to, I'm like, okay, you can wrap up. I'm ready for the actual thing now. <laughs> I know. But that's so obnoxious. I shouldn't yeah. think that way. Anyway. It was a great show. I had a ton of fun. Yeah. And I think, I mean, thinking about it, I am glad, like, I got to be part of the crowd experience because she was pretty interactive with us. She so was, it feels yeah. like she's talking to you. Yeah. And you're part of this, like, body of people that are supporting mm-hmm. her. And she, like, is reciprocating that by, like, giving you a good, like, performance. So I really liked how at the very end, how she closed with Moral of the Story, which is, like, yeah. one of her biggest songs. <laughs> and, well, first off, the one fan held up the... What's his name? Niall. The, she does a... She does a song with him. That song, she she sings a version with him. Niall, yeah. And... Um, it's like a doll version. She held... Yeah, they held like a Barbie figure of him. <laughs> and so she like went out and she grabbed him and like put him on the piano <laughs> next to her, which was funny. But then how she was like, this is the end. And this is like actually the end. We don't do encores and stuff. So we just want to let you know. And she, she said something, you know, like this... This is. I tell you this to let you know this. The, the evening is over, and that's sad. And I had a great mm-hmm. time. And then she said something about how, like, so you know, just enjoy the song, taking every moment, look to each the people you came with, love each other, and immediately everyone was like, "I love. Thanks for coming to the show with me. This was so much fun." And everyone like turned to each other and stopped looking at the stage. And I was like, "That's cool. Yeah, that's cool." She has the power to to anyway, not the power. I don't want to say like that. No, but she you has have, mind like, control powers is what I'm saying. She's right. a very manipulative person. No, but being in front of people, like a, you have a certain responsibility right. with the power that you're, like that right. is a, you're in a place of right. power, especially if people look up to you, mm-hmm. you know, so it is cool. She didn't That's do cool. a lot of like, she did some little stories. She talked, she, she was a goofy, a yeah. but she wasn't like super, mm, is a motivational speech right and this is a you know whatever one moment of that kind yeah yeah but it was still fun like she was still herself 
She's just the I think it's like the, the bigger the artist is, the less they talk between songs, and the more they're just like, I'm just going to sing. I'm going to yeah. play these Well, the songs. bigger they're not, you know, a folk band, <laughs> mm-hmm. the more they're not. Does that make no, sense? I just mean the more popular they are. No, Everybody I know, is. but I'm saying, I'm also, I think folk bands in general, singer-songwriter, exp- love to explain their songs. I'm talking about us. Okay. You know how, like... Sure, There's I don't that, like, I necessarily agree with you because you I don't? we went to go see the other favorites and they weren't like that. We went to go see the Ava Brothers and they weren't like that. Avids are pretty back to back to back to back, and when they tell a story, it's like so 50 it's just seconds. bigger. So I think it is just oh, okay. the larger the crowd, the more they're like, well, let's just have a great time. Let's just oh, play these okay. songs. And I kind of think the more, or you put the, take those same artists and put them in a more like like Mumford and Sons when they went on the Delta tour out of a lot of cities they would find like local record stores or something mm. like that just small businesses and just like play a show before the show like the afternoon there oh. and they'd like pack a ton of people into there and it was like a 40 minute set or something mm-hmm. but they'd only play like four songs because then they'd just be chatting with people and they'd be talking about stuff because it's just a more like, intimate setting yeah anyway that's interesting that's fun that's cool which is like when we saw wild child if we would have seen them at the venue that ash was at i don't think they would have been quite as chatty just because it's harder to connect with people probably right? not you're right whereas we saw them on a rooftop on a beautiful, was it like August or September? Mm-hmm. And there was like not a ton of us. And you could, we could just all see each other's faces. It was really easy for yeah. us to all feel like we're all hanging out okay. in the same room together. Whereas with Ash, again, I think it was she did a great show. And it's not like everyone has to be this way. She still had a very like definite connection with the audience. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't in the same way. No. Which is cool. That's something that I find that's, that's a, I don't know. I look at Colony House. And they are, I love their music, and their music is so good. And yeah, I see videos of them performing, and they're, like, you know, running out in the crowd and crowd surfing and all those things. And I think, like, that would be so much fun. They crowd But surf? I don't know if we could do that. Yeah, Will will, like, grab a tom and just, like, jump out into the crowd and just, like, start smacking heck? it while they're, yeah. Wow. I want to go see them, because I feel like that show would just be electric. I would love to I see would them. be scared. Yeah. No, yeah, I think they have, like, really good energy to, like, as far as... Not like, okay. Do you have any other stories? Um, I was at work the other day, and I'm a groundskeeper, so I like keep the ground. <laughs> um, they give it to me, and I'm like, all right. And they're like, can we have it back? And I'm like, no. Stay from the ground. <laughs> um, but I was walking with those, like you know those those like electric hedge clipper things that kind of look like the the noses of like swordfish. Kind of like a chainsaw. I can imagine. Okay. You kind of know what I'm talking about. Uh huh. I was carrying one of those. Do you actually know what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. It's it's fine. It's like a very similar mechanism to a chainsaw, except instead of the blade going like vertical, it's horizontal, and instead of it being like a rotisserie thing, it's like a jiggity jaggity back and forth. Yes, I think I know that. Okay, so I was carrying one of those, and this girl walks by me, and she says, "I like your shark thing." And which at first I thought she said I like your shirt, and I like looked down at my shirt, which is just like a very normal like blue button-up shirt, and I was like, it's really nothing special. <laughs> you said thanks. that? No. Oh. But then I figured out. Oh, she said I like your shark thing, referring to the the clipper thing. Mm. And I, I was like, thanks. And she just kind of like giggles and keeps walking, and then she does this <laughs> weird like hop, skip, and a jump maneuver in front of Aww. me. And she was one of those like quirky girls because she was wearing this really weird matching, like pink skirt and shoes It's so judgmental. And stuff. I think that's fun. What'd you say? It's so judgmental, I oh, think. Oh, I thought you said something else. Very yes. judgmental of you. Yeah, sorry. I think she, I, I don't know. She was wearing headphones, like full-on over-the-ear headphones that had little cat ears at the top. 
Right. Okay. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> Who's judgmental now? She's one of those girls who prides herself on being the quirky, weird one at the back of the room. How do you know that? Uh, the, from what I just said. She complimented me on my hedge clip. I know, but when you say that. headphones that have she, cat ears on them. I know, but so. Okay, whatever. She's never going to hear this. Is she? Hey, I if know, you heard but this. But just people in general, girl, I don't want you. Yeah. Okay. What if she hears this right now? If you're she out might there. hurt her feelings. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. But you seem like you also have a good sense of humor. So I feel like I could probably say that if, if we got to know each other. Like if I just said, if it was, hey, how you doing? You're probably one of those girls who prides himself on being quirky. I don't think she would handle that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would wreck her. She'd yeah. Be destroyed. Yeah. I have that power with words, you know. Like Everyone when we first did. met. Remember? No. It was fine. But a few days later, after we got to know each other. I said some things to you where you were like, sure, I get it now. Had you said it a week ago. Aiden, you're just no. completely lying. Yeah, I don't remember when we met, really. <laughs> we have conflicting stories on when we met. I do. I remember being at the Baptist church. You remember being at the fourth church. never went building. to the Baptist church. I just, I have such vivid memories of it, but I also remember sitting on the steps of Lexi with the blue puffies in her hair. And I remember that being a very key part What was it going? What, what Was there acting classes going on there? Yeah, it was an acting class. And I know we had them at the Baptist church. Just don't remember ever yeah. going there. I have to ask my mom. Um, it was like right up from Calvary. Do you remember that? All right, never mind then. Cool. Well, we can move on from that. So today we have kind of an interesting little topic. Um, this is uh, one of those thoughts that has been in my head for a very long time. It's very important to me, <laughs> and. Uh, we're going to talk about it. Me and Liv haven't really talked about it with each mm-hmm. other much. A little bit last night when we were kind of pitching ideas for this episode. Um, but yeah, do you want to explain the concept or do you want me to explain the concept? I think maybe you go ahead and explain it. Okay. So, um, Brad Bird is one of my favorite directors. He did Incredibles, Ratatouille. Um, I guess that's really the only two I know. So uh, he's my favorite director of those two movies. Those are two <laughs> of my favorite movies. So, mm-hmm. He, whenever people asked him, when Incredibles 2 came out, I love Incredibles 2. I thought it was, it still is. I think it's a great movie. And I was so impressed at how similar in tone it is to the first Incredibles after 14 years. Hmm. And how they got pretty much the entire, like I think Dash was the only actor who, because he was a little boy then and now is a man. Um, I think he was the only actor who was replaced. And all, like, the main ensemble was the same. I guess Bud Lucky passed away several years ago, so he replaces. Anyway. Um, when Incredibles 2 came out, I got on a huge kick of wanting to just know everything about the process and Brad Bird and how did he come up with these ideas and how does he work. And so I found all these. I mean, it was, like, hours worth of interviews and not just, like, quick eight-minute promo stuff on the morning show, but, like, two-hour lectures at schools and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm on board with this. This is how my brain works. You remember that one I told you about where I went to bed and I just couldn't sleep? So I got back up and made myself tea and watched Brad Bird interviews till like, 5 a.m.? No. I did that one night. I did that, and I, like, had a note. I was taking notes, and I had made several pages of notes. Good for you, man. Till like, 5 a.m. Wow. That was a a fun evening. Um, And... People would, the pretty consistent question was, like, how do you make your movies? Where do your ideas come from? Mm. How do you, how do you write your scripts and direct and all that? And 
like his most consistent answer that he would give across the board pretty much was I make the kinds of movies that I would want to watch. Mm. I would, I want to make a movie where I can finish it and go, if I walked into the theater, not knowing anything about this movie and watched it start to finish, would I leave happy? Mm. And if the answer is yes, that's a good movie. I want to make that. If the answer is no, we got to change it. We got to make it better. So he's not making the movie based on what will people think and what's trendy and how do we make this blow up? Um, He's thinking of it in terms of, do I like this movie? Do I think Can this is a good story? I ask, is he an animator? Does he? So what is his writing? Because that's always confusing to me. Does he write the dialogue and script first? Is that what comes first? And then, like the like, or right. does he not have any part in the animation and color scheme, like and music? He is an animator, and in, in in the sense that that's where he started okay. was was doing animation, actually like drawing out the individual yeah. frames and whatnot. Um, for in the case of the Incredibles, he had an idea, the concept of what if there was a family and they all had superpowers, hmm. and then kept going from there. Um, so he just in the case of the Incredibles, he wrote it. Is he part he wrote of the script and then directed it? What does that mean in animation and what is directed? You mean just the process of making an animated movie? I know I can understand like it makes sense to me of like you're a director with like real people on site like mm-hmm. and they're there, but. Is he on site with people drawing? Is he on site with people that are making the characters move? Like, what is that? Yeah. You know? So, typically, I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs. Sure, sure. Marge on. Yeah. I just, like, that's really curious to me is, like. She knows these stuff. Is he part of the whole thing to start to finish? Probably. I mean, yeah. That is something. So, in the case of Ratatouille, no. But he came Mm -hmm. in. During pre-production, it was someone, a different guy who was directing it. And then he left. And then Brad Bird came in and finished it out. So, they already had. I mean, they were still in pre-production. It wasn't like mm. halfway through. It, they were still in the, you know, conceptualizing and yes. writing the script. Characters and... um, so, I mean, it's like there is so much work that goes into before you even actually cast it. I feel like it's whatnot. almost harder than like a real, right. like a live action. I don't action. remember who it is. It might, I think it might be uh, the Royal Ocean Film Society. A great YouTube channel. Highly recommend everyone picks What's that it up. called? The Royal Ocean Film Society. Okay. Um, I'll see if I can find the, the video. He has a video... Um, but that's talking about how basically animation is the reverse process of live action in a way. You start with editing it out and figuring out frame by frame by frame, how's it working, hmm. and what are the movements, what are the looks, what's the color palette, all that, and then you get all the voice acting done, and then you actually go in and animate and everything. Cool. Um, hmm. And it's, it's interesting, and that's basically what it is. So, I mean, yeah, yeah Brad Bird in that case, he's he's talking he he writes a script and he brings it to people and then he gives he gives the script to character designers and they come up with hey here's maybe what what yeah what syndrome looks like here's maybe what syndrome looks like then they all collaborate together and he's overseeing it creating one specific design for syndrome i feel like before you start production you have to have like such a clear vision of everything where i feel like in a movie you can kind of not i don't know maybe it's just what i think of but i feel like there's some go along you don't need a no I feel like there's some a little bit more freedom right, because right. to an extent that's true, yeah. Because in animation, every move is accounted for. There aren't accidents in the yeah, same like way. Yeah, like if you want to cut something, like the music is made for the, you know, or whatever. In like animation? I'm sure there's ways. Yeah. You mean how it's scored? Because that's the same. I think pretty much across the board. No, but like, what if later in the in the thing you're like, actually, let's not use that scene. But there's oh. already the score is already made. Like. You wouldn't be able to cut anything, right? Is that, isn't that that what animation? you're saying? Yeah. No, you can still do that. 
So like, what if they had the the thing with like Rad Chewy and and Remy's like running down the spoon and it's ding 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah. What if they were like, actually, let's not do that and let's do this, and then that wouldn't make sense anymore. Well, the music thing, the music yeah. thing we did, da, 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 I mean, they would probably they could figure out a way to cut that. They could have oh. Uncle G Kino come in and rescore. I'm the, just saying it seems like a majority, lot more difficult. I mean, than, I'm like, not saying yeah. I think it is. I think animation is a much more. I think you need a larger team. I think you can mm. you can get away with a smaller team in most live action, depending on the genre of movie you're doing, mm. of course. But um, I'm not saying live action is easy either. I'm just no. saying it seems a little bit more straightforward in my head of how that works. But I mean, I think with music specifically, by the time the composer is coming in to score everything, mm-hmm. they've pretty intensely gone through and nitpicked and gone, let's cut this second, let's cut this back four frames, let's, you know. Yeah. They've, they've pretty painstakingly done that. That's true. Typically, the score is one of the very last things that's done, is the mm. entire movie is finished. I mean, it's... It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. In the case of um, Up, Pete Docter brought Michael Giacchino in a lot earlier mm. than most composers are. He would brought him in while they were... I don't think... They were past storyboarding. I think they probably had it recorded. They were probably just still in the animation process. But Michael Giacchino said that, you know, he showed him basically a storyboarded version of it. So it was an early version. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know exactly why that is. I don't think it's necessarily, like, to get a better head start on it. Because no, they yeah. were still doing stuff. Um, but, I mean, that's a great movie. And it the is a great soundtrack movie. goes beautiful. It's, it's so still good. beautiful. So maybe there's something. I don't yeah. know. Who knows? But. Mm-hmm. For that, whereas, apparently it was like, right. <laughs> right, whereas Incredibles, he brought him on like three weeks before it came out and the score is garbage. I kid on both of those things. The score is amazing and I don't know what he brought in the process. He did. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to my actual point yet I know. either, Let's though. go. Sorry, so, I, I, I interjected. That's okay. That's a fun conversation too. We really should have Marge on though. Our good friend Marge is a very smart cookie in this area. So Brad Bird says that and I'm like, that's cool. He says, I'll make movies that I would want to watch. And I think that's how people should create things hmm. is... I like this. If I found this for the first time today, I would enjoy it. I would think that this is a cool thing and I would want to share it with my friends. That's how I think people should create things. Then, on the other side of that, so say in the instance of The Incredibles 2, that's a sequel. That's building on something, especially with 14 years. People grew up with this movie. I grew up with this movie. I was expecting a lot from the second movie (laughs) because the first one is so incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's just an apt description. Um, adapt, react, apt, adapt, or something to that effect. Um, so, you got to create what you want. You got to create what you think is good. Right. But you also got to go, will people like this? Hmm. Right? Right. Um, I don't remember who said it. Oh, I could look around and see if I can find it. Someone said something to the effect of, if you're creating something and it's not good, it's not good, the quality of the thing isn't good, but your taste is good because you can recognize it's not up to the standard you want it to be. Hmm. And that's meant to be like an encouragement of, uh, it's good that you recognize that. It's like a backhanded. Like, well, no, it means <laughs> to say that your work isn't good right now is to say that your taste is good. Sure. You have taste in, and in what you, yeah. you know. You're comparing it to all these things that you love, and you say this isn't as good as that yet. Mm-hmm. Great. Start there. Keep shooting for the things that you right. love. Don't don't ever settle for. Yeah, it's fine for X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? It's yes. fine for a, a a kids pageant. Well, let's. I mean, maybe it's a bad example. <laughs> a kids. <laughs> but I mean, pageant. like if you're doing a kids pageant, try and make it 
whatever you want it to be. No, I know what you mean. Don't don't limit yourself with the structure of right. what you think is don't there. Don't just say, and that's the thing that, you know, um, what's an example? Leap hmm. is an example of a movie, I think, that said, I feel like it started with, um, how can we make a quick animated movie that has a, a generic enough storyline that we can we can squeeze 90 minutes out of it. As opposed I honestly don't know who that movie was made for. I don't know. Because I feel like it's not really for, like, I mean, little I think girls, really. Once I you're mean, older than, like, I don't know, four, you're probably going, this is a bad movie. <laughs> I hope you are, at least. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things where it's, like, I, I think of, I don't know. I hear people say, oh, yeah, for a kid's movie, it's, it's that. I don't right. think kid's movie deserves its own genre. I don't hmm. think, I think, I don't know. That's my opinion. I think mm-hmm. kids movie, that's a very condescending thing to say to kids and to the creators of yes. those movies. I to, of the really great ones. Yeah. I will say, um, I think when making a movie, you target a specific audience. And sure. that may be kids, but it doesn't mean it's well, a kid's movie. That's the thing. It just thing. means that their audience is targeted. I mean, people do this all the time with creation. It's like, okay, our audience is into the middle twenties and this, and this audience is for 60 and up. And this audience is for five to eight year old boys because I don't know, like, right. Yes. I think people do that. I, I'm not sure if that is the right way to do it Hmm. because Brad Bird's target audience are people like himself. Hmm. And I think he knows when he finds someone like himself, he met Michael Giacchino and goes, Oh, you get it. We talk about movies in a similar way. This is cool. This will work out. This will be Does fun. he think he's, like, superior to other people? I don't think necessarily. Okay. I mean, maybe he does. I don't know that. Right. But... I don't think that's, like, a good... No, and I'm not saying that's the way... That, and that, that's what I'm saying. And this is where my dilemma comes sure. in. Sure. Is... Because there are other people who say things very similar to Brad Bird, and I go, you're a pretentious jerk. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you owe it to your audience to make good stuff. And you right. owe it to them. Especially, like, independent musicians. Hmm. Where I think... If you genuinely don't, you know, if you put out an album and you had a thousand followers and now all of a sudden you have 50,000 followers because of that album, because people loved it so much and spread it around, that's awesome. You make another album in a way, you don't owe them anything. You don't have to do whatever. But at the same time, you now, you know, you got an extra 40,000 followers or whatever I said, 49. Yeah. Um. And say, you know, within that time, you also got to play at South by Southwest, and you also got to open for this great yeah. band, and you also got to be on a late show or whatever it may be. You got all these great opportunities because of those people, because you're an independent band, yeah. and these people who had no obligation to do this spread it around and make yeah. you, made you famous. Yeah. In that sense, you have an obligation, if you're yeah. going to create new music, which I think you should, to create something that they would well, like. Well, and, and also, like, I, people do say, like, I created this, this is for me. They sure. use that phrase. Yeah. No, I'm saying, I don't really like that. It's like, I'm a... Same. But at the same time, I mean, that's No, but when you say it like that, when you... When you say, I made this for me and I don't care if anyone likes and this. I don't know. I guess I hear people saying that sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and in a I way, it's like... I guess it's like, like realizing why are you making music and why are you putting it out yeah. in the world? Because if it's just for you, why are you releasing it to audience people? And... Right? Y- yes. Because obviously they do want other people to listen to it. Yeah. And this, again, this is where the dilemma comes in, is 
Because I hear Brad Bird say that, and I don't hear him being pretentious. I don't hear, I hear him But being, he's not saying this is for me. He's saying I want to create something that I would watch. Sure. That's yeah, different. That's correct. He's not saying. I'm making this just for my pleasure. Right. Own pleasure, not because people talk about music being therapeutic, and 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 you know it's a very cathartic moment for them to, to write about this experience. And, I'm and like, it may be that's great. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not right. saying don't use these mediums for those purposes. But I'm also saying I don't know if other people will necessarily enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And some people do. You know, yeah, Head and that's heart, totally fine. Some, I'm not um, yeah. Living Mirage. I didn't love that album. A lot of people did love that album. Mm-hmm. They've only gotten bigger since they've started as a band, right? So it's it's kind of great if people listen to that album and when i love this this is amazing yeah. more power to you i don't love it i love these their first album because of all these other reasons that okay. are not about how therapeutic it was for them that are not about r- recognizing relatability and that's mm. a concept too that we can talk about sure that i i have a kind of a conflicting relationship yeah. with is it is so interesting do you feel stuff. like these things are just like a balance that you have to find or is it like one or the other to me it's more of like a balance because but that's one of the most pretentious things that people say. What do I'm you mean? I'm not saying you're pretentious. It's all about balance. That's such a cop-out answer. Because that's a thing. Is like there is no, you can't say, oh, yeah, it's 40% this and 80% that. Well, that's a bad example. But I guess I, I just don't know if like arguing, is it for the people or is it for yourself? Because I really think it's both. Right. So I'm, but, but I don't but, know how, but, I don't know how far to go. But let's just go at for yourself. Okay, so let's say the song is for yourself. What does that mean? You made mm. this because you like the song, therefore you want to put it out because you like it. You made it for yourself because it was a good process for you to write it and you don't care if people hear it or not. You know to what me, I mean? that's what it means when you say you wrote it for yourself. It's like but you don't care. But some people might not mean it that way. Oh. Some people say, well, I wrote this for myself, and, the, and then they still put it are out. Are we talking about what other people say or what the thing is itself? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Okay. What, what should we be talking about? To are me, you, it's... Are you talking about the quality Are you talking of, about... Um, okay. Okay, let's 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 look at Casey. Casey Catalos was on the show, and she talked about this a little bit. Yeah. About understanding why was she writing these things, and she talked about how writing is the most constant thing in her life that she's had to call back on mm-hmm. to go. This is something I know. This is something I understand. That's really great. Just on a purely personal level for yeah. her, that's great that she can have those opportunities. That she has that relationship with music and songwriting. Awesome. An added bonus, I think, is that she's a really good songwriter. Is that yeah. she writes really good music. She writes, um, I'm trying to think of an example, Ride Home. That's a song that she doesn't have on any albums, which is on YouTube. She wrote that and put it out there, and I was immediately like, wow, this is such a specific, unique experience you're writing about mm. that I completely understand that I didn't, I haven't talked about my friends with, you mm. know? That's a cool moment. Yeah. It's a cool moment to be a person to go, Oh, you understand this really specific thing? Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, and that's part of it, is then AJR writes a song about growing up watching The Office and all the things that were going on while they were watching The Office. And I'm like, I didn't grow up watching The Office, and these experiences didn't happen to me while I was watching The Office, therefore I don't really connect with it. Hmm. But at the same time, I listened to Divorce Separation Blues by Avery Brothers, that's about him going through his divorce process. And I love that song. I think it's a great song. And part of it is it's a different tone. It's not like a super melody. It's a lighthearted. Yeah. It's not like melodramatic or whatever. Um, that is interesting. <clears throat> but I mean, like, I don't, I, I like plenty of things that I don't relate to. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Could it be, I mean, something that I think Casey and the Avett brothers have in common is that. Is their low growl? No. 
and that AJR doesn't have is um, the low brow. Stop, stop, stop. The facial hair. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Something that Casey and the Ava brothers have in common and that AJR does not is um, they have a lot of emotion when they're singing and they're singing it through real feeling where I feel like AJR in his that's that's a it's a fun kind of lighthearted he's not like actually serious like it's not like a serious thing in the way that it's coming out I would say that AJR is equally as emotional in that specific song yeah what oh Netflix trip that's what I'm talking about um, I'm talking about Netflix trip divorce separation blues and the K- Casey one yeah, I don't know I mean to that's me the thing too def- they're different to emotions not. they're very different emotions Netflix trip. I wish I is could know about, how to explain it. I, I, um, I think I kind of get what you're saying. AJR has an inherent funness about them. Is that what you're kind of saying? They're they're kind of they're wacky. They're weird. Yes, they do and, stuff and can, and you're can like, you just tell like when he was recording the vocal, he wasn't necessarily thinking like when Seth is recording the vocal for divorce separation. It's very like, can't you just tell the heart of who he is? Like I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Projecting. Well, I mean, that's a bad example, too, because I, I also think that Divorce Separation Blues is kind of a lighthearted... Yeah. It's silly in a way, but... It doesn't make I mean, it less thing. real. That's the thing that I'm thinking of with that song in particular. I hear it, and I'm like, this is a fun song. It's silly. It's it's not like silly like you're laughing out loud, but it's like, it's fun. It's it's all these things. Mm-hmm. But I also then look at his life and went, man, he was actually going through these things. It's kind that's of ironic. Yeah. That's hard. That's mm-hmm. That's not a fun thing to talk about, necessarily. Right. So it's like that's weird. He he's in a way making light, but I don't know if he necessarily is. So there's that. Meanwhile, it's kind of the inverse of that with AJR on Netflix trip, where it's I go, I don't know. I don't really get I get what you're talking about. I don't necessarily relate to it. I don't share these experiences with you, but I recognize that you're resonating with this. That, I just that they have this deep, profound, emotional relationship with the TV show The Office. All and I'm saying is, that. like, you don't go through anything with AJR. This you didn't go through that, and you didn't go through what Seth went through. So, what is the difference between them? Yeah, and that's, and that's what I'm and asking. That's, and I right, think, and that's kind of what exactly. What is the difference between them? And to me, it's the heart of how they were. And what I'm saying is, I don't think that. Okay, that's AJR just. Has, I'm just saying okay. that's what I think. Okay. So. Right. What? So. Yeah. Could it be? Could it be like, um, their view of the their audience for the purpose? Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm. So here's the thing. Yes, I think that has a part that that plays a part within the creative process, mm-hmm. and this is kind of the bigger picture concept that we were talking about is the relationship between the creator and the audience. Um. And we can only get so far when using specific examples beyond speculation, right? Right, right. We, we only know so much for a fact. I can look at it and go, well, I know based on facts that Scott Seth Avett went through a divorce while writing this album. So there's a song called Divorce Separation Blues that's about a character going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. I can speculate based on the facts that I know these things. Whereas Ride Home by Casey Catalbus, I don't. I haven't heard her explicitly talk about that song. Right, right. I listen yeah. to the song and go, based purely on just the content of the song, I can speculate that this is about fictional or real, this specific instance and these characters and this stuff. Um, where's he going with this? So talking about how they view their audience, I, I think we can talk about that. 
I don't know if we can reach any conclusions necessarily. Okay. And I don't know if our goal is to reach all the conclusions no, and have all the answers. No, but that seems a little pointless to, yeah, I see what you're saying. So what do you want to talk, like, what? What, how, how do you, because we, that's the other thing. I, we both highly value collaboration. And part of collaboration is other people's opinions and other people's thoughts and their contributions, right? That's kind of all of it, yeah. Right. How <laughs> <Almost> exclusively <laughs> is that? So. I think collaboration, you yeah. You can't successfully collaborate with people and also go, I don't care what anyone else thinks. Can you? I don't know. I don't know if I can. Right. I don't think. <laughs> I think if you genuinely. <laughs> what? You can do what? both, right? No, right. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying you can't. Oh, okay. uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm saying you can't do that. If you genuinely are completely apathetic about what anyone else thinks about what you do, you will not be genuinely collaborating with others, I don't think. I don't think so. If you are genuinely collaborative, you cannot also say, I and don't care. It doesn't mean things. that you can't be confident in what you're saying. No, and then that's a different and I think, thing. And I think this, yeah, this is where we're getting But into I just want to make sure waters. that we say that in right. case of like. Right. If you say you take in, and it doesn't mean you take in every criticism. Exactly. Yes. And but, so this is where we're getting to is then uh, Avett Brothers released True Sadness where they have weird techno remixes in the third verse of Satan Pulls a String. And some fans are going, oh, they've sold out. They've changed. What happened to the old Avett Brothers? And other fans like me are going, I love this. This is cool. This works. I think it fits with them. They're trying new stuff. I can, and that's the thing is like, how much of your of you following a band and being a fan of their music is about you listening to the music and you watching them progress and change and evolve? Sure. With the head and the heart, it ended about the first album, because and I'm, I still I'm interested in them. I'm, I'm I listen through to their stuff and go, yeah, yeah. I like this and I don't like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't have anything that compares of their stuff that compares to their very first album, mm -hmm. where I go, that is an amazing album. I love it so much. It is so unique because of. I love it so much. I love it. Um, that their other albums haven't compared to, in my opinion, in my taste of the music that I like, okay. especially when I was listening to them. However, it is still cool for me to watch. They released The Head and the Heart, and then Let's Be Still had a different tone, and then Signs of Light had a different tone, yeah. and The Living Mirage had a different tone. And it's cool to see how they progress and evolve. Yeah. I think that's cool and unique. Yes. Um, whereas Ava Brothers or the Oh Hellos, I found them and I was like, I really like this. And then I can, they put out a new album and I go, wow, this is also really cool. It's different and in a different direction and it has a unique mm. tone to it, but I still really like it. And I think the heart of it is still consistent to the former stuff I've listened to. Where am I going with this? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, Let's try and, um, what's the original question? I mean, how, we talked about it last night. It was like, oh, sorry. Did you, did you have it? Yeah. How, how do you create something? How do you not compromise either side? How do you what? create something that you're proud of, that you like, and also take into consideration and listen to and adhere to other people's expectations of you? To me, I mean, if you think about it, um, the writing process usually doesn't involve your audience yet. It's after you release the music, right? Not necessarily, but that's kind of what we're trying out that's right now. That's what we're talking about right now. Yeah. It's like you write a song, you give it to the world, right? Right. 
and S- sorry, keep going. Um, with that being said, I think to me that's like a somewhat straightforward process of write it from what you think is important and not necessarily. So yeah, we were talking about the other day about like, are we writing it for this audience? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you look at you can look at your demographics of who listens to like your music. Right. It's like, oh, they're twenty to thirty year old women or something. So maybe Which you write about like demographic. Yeah. whatever. You know what I'm saying yeah, or I whatever. Saying. Like, yeah, yeah. There's brands of sorts. Like Taylor Swift writes breakup songs, like or did or whatever. Right. That's like a brand of hers. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, but anyway, for me personally, like you write the song that you think is important and it's usually has a concept or something that you are like, this is a new way, a way of looking at it and it makes you feel this way. I wonder what other people have that reaction. And then you put it out and then you see. So you, you write it from, I guess, the heart, if you'll say, yeah. <clears throat> or this cool mm-hmm. concept before October ends about. Mm-hmm. meeting on train there's nothing necessarily profound about that but it's like a cool idea right. i don't think every song um because um sometimes saying i write this for me means like it's usually like a deep thing or whatever mm-hmm. and i don't think it has to be that it can just be like this is a fun idea that i we, think is fun right and to an extent we wrote red umbrella for us right because we never written a song together we weren't thinking of an audience at the time right. of writing it. No, right. no, you're right. And that's where. But I mean, when we released it, we weren't. We weren't. You we weren't releasing start. it to be like we weren't releasing Third Ave to be like we're doing this for us in our global right. entertainment growth. I mean, but we also sure, were presenting like side... it. Right. We also weren't presenting it as because we didn't have an audience at that point. We no. had our immediate friends and family. Yeah. And they said, "Yeah, cool, awesome, put it out there." Yeah. But they all pretty much heard it before. Right. We it yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's kind of thing where it's like we don't we we still are figuring out our audience because we're in a brand new place now. So with the way we meet people is different and the people that we meet are different. But so our the reason is we different. go out and perform at different, you know, little coffee shops and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we're gaining some things from it, but we're also doing it to see what it's an experiment of sorts. Right. It's like, oh, how does this song land in this 10 a.m. Right. Sunday morning brunch place right. with these older women or mm-hmm. whatever? It's kind of like an experiment. It's fun. That's a different thing. Right. Sorry. Yeah. We were talking. Oh, sorry, you go first. We were just talking about last night about like, um, can you be a band or a musician without an audience? Um, what do you think of that? Um, David Metcalf from Fungus Among Us Players said that a performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. <laughs> and I think to an extent, like, that's true. You need both sides. I think so. I think to make a with story. Things, I think, yeah, I think the primary reason for live performance is a unique connection and a unique experience for all parties involved. Which is why I think I like the Avett Brothers and the Ohalos in a very different way than I like AJR or Ash because they have a brand new set every single night. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't have light shows necessarily. They don't have fog machines. They don't have gigantic pyrotechnic cues. Mm-hmm. They have, tonight we're doing these songs. And Who is tom- this? Sorry. Avett Brothers and the Ohalos. Oh. And tomorrow night, 
perhaps none of those songs really. Big Brothers had lights. They had lights, but it's not like they had like light cues. Oh. It's not like there were things that corresponded with the music necessarily. Sure. Um, there wasn't choreography really. Right. Um, as opposed to a lot of shows do. Sorry. That's okay. I forgive you. So that's something I think is really unique of those bands that I really yeah. like. And that, that's part of the reason I like to see them live. That's why I've seen, part of why I've seen the Avery Brothers live three times mm-hmm. is because each show was a unique experience. And for them, I think it was a unique experience. And Seth talked about, I think this was before, this was after they had released The Carpenter talking about the process. No, no. No, no. It was somewhere no, no, no. between I Love and You and Magpie. <laughs> somewhere in that process, they were talking, I think it was... Before, I think it was during the writing process of The Carpenter. So they were performing, touring, I'm loving you. Um, Seth was talking about how they're going out there singing their journals, basically. Singing, here are my thoughts. Here are my Hmm. ideas. Here's what I think is important. Here's what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Um, And hearing hearing the other side of that is someone else saying, yeah, let me add something to that. Hmm. Here are my thoughts on that. Here's what I'm going through. And hearing all the other stories. And that created a unique experience every single night. And so, partly because I listen to their music and go, I mean, like, they seem like the kind of people who care about this, just from listening to it, but then also seeing them live, and then also hearing them talk outside of that in other contexts. I just really believe that they take that really seriously. Colony House talks about how they release the music, and now it's yours. These aren't our songs anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, these aren't our songs that's on stage these are our songs this entire room this unique experience that we're all sharing these are our songs this is all of us having a conversation with each other through these songs and i think that's really cool and that's a really really powerful unique thing that music can do and other mediums can do it as well but i think music does it in an incredibly powerful way for me at least um i think is that colony house sorry i'm almost done yeah colony house can sing this song that that you know caleb can be out there singing and and he can be thinking in my head in his head i've sung this (laughs) 800 times, you know, through the recording process, through the touring process, whatever it may be. Yeah. He's sung Waiting for My Time to Come hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. But he has such a unique relationship with the song itself that he can sing that and look out and see someone else singing it and just see the expression on their face and know we have this, you have a unique relationship with it as well. Yeah. And look at another person and know you have a unique relationship with it as well. I think that's really important. That's, an, that's a really mm-hmm. important thing thing about creating about putting work out there um same is true with ratatouille i think you know i watched that movie and i feel part of this again is because i know i've you know watched behind the scenes of of the creation of ratatouille and the incredibles and and hear people talk about bradbridge process and them talking you know i think one of the animators on incredibles talked about how typically he would stop at draft four and bradbird made him go to draft seven and, you know, by the time, you know, he, he, this particular animator said he worked on Toy Story 2 and the specific sequences he worked on, by the time it premiered, he watched it and went, ooh, not like mistakes, but like, I might have tried that. I might have tried taking mm. it that direction. But when he watched Incredibles, he was like, no, that's basically <laughs> as good as we could have gotten it. Wow. And that's like, because they all just said, we're not going to do this unless it's great, unless it's amazing. And Leap said, we're not going to do this unless we can sell tons and tons of tickets mm-hmm. and they didn't and they didn't so i mean they did they didn't and they did they to, didn't they didn't so this is kind of going off again i yeah. guess uh, to go back to like we were talking about writing as like relatability or not mm-hmm. versus not and how that you know or whatever i was just thinking just came to my head is like um in one sense i don't think as humans like we don't have to try that hard 
to relate. Yeah. I, yeah, I think like I think it's like I think, I think people like I well, think in my head I think about like okay you, are you writing a song to be relatable to someone or but honestly if you give your ex- an experience or a thought most likely there's someone else out there that has also had that well, thought yeah so when you hear Netflix trip are you emotionally profounded by it or profoundly <laughs> <laughs> are you emotionally profounded you ever get emotionally profounded um. When you hear Netflix trip by AJR, does that connect to you? No. Even um, though, because you haven't had those unique experiences, even though relatability and connecting with people isn't that difficult? Because I think connecting with people can be difficult, right? I think the difference is, this is where I think the, the, and this again goes into speculation. The difference is I think Scott Avett and Seth Avett want to understand people. Okay, just sorry, one second. They want to understand humanity and the world and God's creation. I support those those desires. I think AJR, again, this is speculation, they want to make cool music. They want to make fun stuff. They want to experiment with sounds. Mm-hmm. I, again, I support that as well. That's yeah. also cool. Mm-hmm. But it will connect with people differently because I think that their motivation are in slightly different places. Um, I was just going to mention, I think... Instead of saying relatability, I might say differently. Um, you talked, uh, um, Eva Brothers speak a lot of, they don't necessarily, they might have a specific story in their head, mm-hmm. but they're not giving you scene by scene. Right. They have a truth. Right. And that is, I'm, that I think I will, yeah, retract what I said before and say that is the thing that will connect, that connects people universally. Right. They have this specific tr- um, truth or idea. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that you can point to the specific truth in every single one of their songs? No. And why is that? Because it's beautiful. <laughs> what? I don't know. I mean, I think to an extent, I the, wish more, I could the more be beautiful able to articulate. it is, the more complex it is, I think. Yeah, I think. I think it's beautiful because you're, you're, you're adding more and more factors to it. No. You don't? No. Why? Leave Your you Things is beautiful, but it's a What'd simple. You Leave Your Things is a beautiful song, I think, that we wrote, and it's simple. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, maybe and it's relatable. I think... Um, but I didn't write it to be relatable. No. Um, that was actually the, the one of the most personable songs I've ever written. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it's... It's first person, but... But I think... Ev- but whenever... Sense. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like it's received well by most audiences that we've played for. Except for the one... Seriously. I play this one Jewish temple in the primary school. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely did not go Garbage. well. The Moyles came at us. and The who? The Moyles. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> um, no, it's this is tricky. This is it tricky is. Stuff. That's what I'm saying. And that's, that's but don't, can't you just feel like certain... No, I and can, and that's what that's I'm saying. That's why it's so hard to articulate. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. Is well, we both, okay. You and me both know, oh yeah, that. And right now we're going, what is that? <laughs> Verona. We did Verona, the play. I think most people know this if you're listening. And if you're not listening, no um, one knows it. We did this. So this is kind of a heavy play in some sense, like at the ending for sure. For like 11 The minutes. outlaw song. Yeah. Light. Fun. It's light and goofy and silly. We, we, we performed that as a, like, this big, like, didn't you think in your head, like, this is a big, it wasn't it's, just light and silly. 
Right. You know, right. like we were. It wasn't. We were within its we own were, context. You, oh, that's it. Within its own context, it was light and silly. Within the context of the show, we knew it had a big this, part. This, there was a lot riding on the success of this. Time. Or just the fact that Logan goes out in the audience and like plays with this guy's shoe or something. Yeah. Weird. It is. But Logan. Do you know how much of that interaction? Those two had together. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I think whenever we bring up... Any, yeah. like, audience interaction, like, for the most part, that's something that they will remember. Right. And there's something... There's a connection, and you see their eyes, especially if it's a kid mm-hmm. or an adult, but... <laughs> Either one of those, honestly. It's important. There's yeah. something so important there. And I think it's this that same feeling that I feel for that is the same that I'm trying to to articulate in right. a good song that I think is retrieved well by audience and in and, and that interaction. And that's... Sorry. Do you think live performance enhances this overall? What? Um, Disconnectedness? Yeah. Like, when you listen to Colony House... Well, that's the only... You've never seen them live. But let's, talk, let's use Avid again. But we have YouTube, so we can see yeah, them live on sure. him. Because that's exactly the same. No, but... You can see their faces and right. how they sing stuff. I don't know. Well, what were you going to say? Um, when I was in a colony house. Can, you, can an audience interact with an artist and have that collaboration connection just... And I, I think I know the answer for myself. I'm curious for what you think. Only in live performance? Or can it come through listening to their earbud on the headphones like um, an album? You know? Or a YouTube live? Right. I think English. Um, I think an audience can have a relationship with the music apart from it being a live setting. It's not quite the same, but I think you still can. I don't think a, an, a creator can have that relationship with their audience hmm. as you're right. Quite in the same way, I think it's. I think. An audience can have an, an uh, I don't know, let's just say that it's all numbers. Can an you use, audience, are, do you want to say audience or just one person? A person. Okay. I can, ha- I, can, I can, in this hypothetical numbers world we're creating all of a sudden, I can have an 88% accurate relationship with Colony House's music and, their, and, the, and the members. Yes. And then I see them live and that maybe that can go up to 100%. Yeah. I think from Colony House's perspective, they only have like an 18% relationship an understanding of their audience until they're there live performing for them. Yeah. And then you can bump up to a hundred. I mean, that's what, so I think was that colony house. Side. Is that what they were saying is like, it's not right. Like this is, this is the moment where we released it. You guys listen to it. And now we're here together creating a full exactly. experience of our music. Right. And that's what Jack Antonoff from bleachers talks about. That makes a lot is, of sense to me is he writes the album and he goes, this is the first step. The first step is releasing the album. Mm-hmm. The next step, the more important step is performing it yeah. over and over and over again for people. And he's talked about how he gets the, to the end of the tour and goes, I kind of want to go back and re-record the entire album because it's changed so much based on the different yeah. shows and how people interacted with it and received it. Didn't you talk about listening to Colony House's album at um, Corey Hill? Yes, that was a good and time. And didn't you feel like that was an utterly like profound yes. connection? Yes. Which is kind of amazing. And it wasn't just a connection with Colony. Colony House was a vessel at that time, I think. The music itself. The music was... Was a factor of I mean, just my, yes, but yes, that was a yeah. very unique, profound experience like, I had listening to that I'll album. I'll say, like, Wild Child is a good experience for me because I didn't, I listened to some of their music I didn't love. Like, it was fine. Like, mm-hmm. I, I liked it and well enough. 
we went and saw them live and I like immediately was like, because you see their person and their personality and like you almost, I mean, I'll use the word vulnerable. I know that can be like kind of a mm, softy, cheesy word to use these days. But I think, I don't know. I'm not trying to like be like, our job is very hard to get up on stage and sing in front of people. Mm -hmm. But like, that's not like necessarily easy. I don't think. Anyway, for her to like, and him to, to share something that isn't, and maybe it's harder for some than others. I and think for me, it's like it too. for you, yes. For, to like share for, something that's really important to me and give it and and, and give it to right. people. That's kind of scary. And but, I, that doesn't mean I don't want to do it, but that's something that I have to work on, like being why, lighthearted. Why, why are you scared of that? Because if this is me and my innermost like things that I think are so important, and those people don't think that, or they say that's a weird for you to think that, or that's wrong. That's like them saying that I'm me at my core is 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 not right or believes the wrong thing or um or something like that. Interesting. This is kind of um, sorry. No, it's going just, the wrong direction. No, that's good. But I think that's also I'm not saying that's right. I'm just right. saying that's what I feel. And so I guess I'm saying I Hmm. You have a really this healthy is, way of. I do. Performance. I, I, have I mean, it all you've had it. Out. No, but like <laughs> from like young, I mean, you're you're good. You're you've taught me a lot about being goofy, silly, but confident in what you think is cool, mm-hmm. and being like, "Hey guys, check this out." Not like mm-hmm. this is the the profound right. statements of the world. It's just like, "Hey, this is kind of fun," mm-hmm. oh, or. Oh my goodness! This is the cool. Like, there's a right. lot of energy there. People are attracted to that. I hope that they would also be attracted to what you're saying, but I think more often than not, people are attracted to the energy of like, of right. of what you're saying. Uh, okay. Anyway. No, no, that's correct. Sorry, I was yelling no, no, for I'm a different just... reason. I was thinking of another boring conversation, I had, <laughs> or a boring conversation I had, not this one. This one is not boring. I'm completely intrigued. Please stop touching my foot. That was your fault. I know. I did apologize. For that. <laughs> um. Yes. And that's, I think, a distinction is I think that there is an important, going back to balance, which I kind of don't like this, but I think it's important and it is true and relevant. I don't like it, but I'll accept it. There's an important balance between, like you said, going, this isn't that big of a deal. This is just a song. And also going, I firmly believe this. You know, Ash was talking about how when she sings Always every single night, she gets a little bit choked up. Because that's a really powerful song for her. And I think that's that's one of my favorite songs for a long time. Excuse me. That's okay. For a long time. Me too. Because just I, I thought it was, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly why. It's not because I hear, oh, wow, she's much more vulnerable in this song than she is in other songs in the album. I hear it and I just go, it sounds cool. Her voice sounds great on this album. Sorry. Sorry can I say on. one more thing? Sure. Um, you just said something about like firmly believe. Right. And maybe you firmly believe in... And, and bringing your audience right. to a fictional spot right. and, and talking about the beautiful birds. Mm-hmm. But you agree with it. I don't well, think that, I don't know if you should really put, like, I don't think I would want to put music out that I didn't firmly believe in quote. Like, sure. And, you know? But that doesn't mean that. I don't know how I would write something if I just thought it was like pulling things from the air and just, you right. know. Right. And. At the same time, if you that, that kind of to me alludes to the idea of write what you know. And you'll hear people give that advice. You know, write what you know. Write the experiences in your life. Okay. To an extent, sure. But in that case, 
most things wouldn't be written. That's what I was saying? No. The, oh. What you said alluded to, you say you don't want to be, uh, I don't know. Because I'm saying it can be fictional, it can be this, right. or it can be and a so, question. And so I guess that to me make, makes me think of this concept where people say, write what you know, write, oh. you know, write what you've experienced. Okay. And to me that seems like write exclusively about that. And if no. you don't write about what you know, therefore it's going to be bad. Cause, no. But then I think like, how did, how do we have The Hobbit? You know? Yeah. Well, how do we have... All these amazing stories that are fictional. We have it because, and then I heard the distinction, write what you know and write what you want to know. Yeah, music is a cool art because it can involve so many questions in mm-hmm. it. It's not supposed to be like, this is the... Well, I don't even know about supposed to be. I don't think... Or it doesn't have to be. Right, and I think it... That's the other thing is is going back to what what do you owe the audience? What do you owe the music? What do you owe the art form? Right. You know, do know. you? There is no sentient music. There is no. no person who is like I am the music guy. I mean, there are, but those people are lame and will probably die soon. Um, <laughs> Unknown reason. Yeah, I don't know. Why. <laughs> Did you get the thing that we needed tonight for the dying people or for something <laughs> else? <laughs> it scared me. Um. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. This is interesting. This is this is one of those things that I get excited talking about. I that know. we can go. I mean, it's like I there. I know I'm like in a rush to like nail this down. Right here we I are. don't want to be like that, but at the same time, um, having something, starting a conversation, and learning things, and then coming to a draft of a conclusion, I think is important. I don't know. So right? what's, what's draft one of this conclusion? How okay. how do you balance? Creating something that you enjoy and also creating something that others will enjoy. And how do you find those people that will enjoy it? I mean, from what we've done so far, which isn't like a ton, I think, I mean, something that we're doing on our Patreon is showing demos, which is unfinished work to -hmm. people. And people seem to like that. And I think some of the artists that I like where they release either a live or a studio session or... Mm-hmm. You hear Ash like she'll do like little video diaries of sorts, and she'll be humming like a chorus to like a new song or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like that's an anyway, that's kind of different. Uh, hmm. Can I add something? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, please give me an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up, boy. Hurry. Um, I think. Hmm, I think being a creator is exactly the same as being anything else and I think everyone to an extent is a creator of something mm-hmm. so that's that's another thing we can talk about later on um book mark that one yeah um and in order to do anything in life you need other people mm-hmm. and you need to connect with other people you need to create unique relationships with other people yeah so it's no different with music it's just that I think we think I think the default um premise for let's keep using music as an example is you're performing out to faceless crowds and you go oh i love my fans and they have you know i'll sign their t-shirts and all these things Mm. and i think that's what a lot of people think and so i feel like every single time a band like the ava brothers come out or um colony house you know those bands who really make an effort to like connect with their audience and create unique experiences for them and talk to them and get to know them and hear their stories. People are always surprised by that mm. because we assume they're these rock stars. They're walking on air. You know, they have mm. everything handed to them. They, you know, they're, they're not real people. Mm-hmm. And I think 
the best artists are the ones that are real people that know they're real people and approach their music in the same way that they create, that they approach, you know, talking to the cashier at the grocery store in a genuine, kind, generous, giving way. And I think the way that we should treat everyone, except for obviously the lame music people who will die soon. Um, yeah. And does that make sense? Yeah. So, sorry, just to kind of recap that real quick. Music, you, you find that balance in the same way that you find that balance by connecting with anyone else. By saying, hey, I want you to know you. Who are you? What's your story? And hopefully, they return that and say, who are you? What's your story? And, mm-hmm. you, and music is part of that story. And you say, well, there's this. And I have these songs. And here's this music. And here are these ideas. And continuing to grow that. And that's the thing. I think you get to a point where there are just enough people around you can start selling tickets. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and and I mean, hmm. I think that makes sense. There's so many different things to tie up. I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, like, obviously, I don't know how to pinpoint what it is, but I think the you can tell the heart of the musician. Like, mm-hmm. Ash, like, she, her whole album is about something that I've never, ever gone, like, personally, like, mm-hmm. specifically gone through. Um, and yet I love it and sing it and can find other ways of putting myself in, you know. Right. Or, so it's somewhat specific, but somewhat not. In, in, anyway, but when she's singing it and when she's, like, up on stage and everything, she's genuine and she's also, I mean, she wasn't there to, like, be overly, she was there to have a fun time and to, like, connect everybody. So it almost wasn't about what we were singing about. Right. Which I think is right. kind of cool. And yeah. it, for that, it worked. Right. Because, I don't know if that's the right thing every sure. time, but that's, like, an exp- that's something I noticed. Hmm. Yeah. Because I know, like, in certain circumstances, if, if some of our songs that we write are pretty, like, I don't know if heavy is the word, but it's definitely, like, thought thoughtful mm-hmm. and thought through and we perform some of those songs live and people go oh that was really cool i like that and they go oh did you miss the point because you didn't end and you went oh wow that's profound yeah that's, that's what i'm saying so but and they went oh that was cool or like we that. do it too right. too serious and then it's not received well right but it's like then people go oh wow they really are but it can still it. be connect a connector right. between you and an audience member mm-hmm. even if they're not fully um we're not uh, it's not fully grasping. I mean, we're not even talking, like, at this point, we're ta- merely talking about lyrics. Right, right. Like, what do you, we talk about the emotion that chord changes right. can do or the tone of an instrument or the tone right. of vocal. Like, that's, that's unsaid exactly. things that we yeah. haven't even gone into yet, which right. is, like, I, I don't even want to even. <laughs> but, like, tone, vocal tones for me, like, we've talked about this. Right, that's what gets you. That's, like, what makes me emotional. Yeah. Not necessarily what they're saying, but the way that they're saying the words or the mm-hmm. way that it's coming. Yeah. So good. So is it, if if Delta were in Japanese and Marcus Mumford were singing the entire album in Japanese, would you still like that album? It was the same thing? Yeah. Same rhythm and everything? Right. If the only thing were just you couldn't understand what the lyrics were. I mean, maybe. I mean, I listen to, like, French albums sometimes. I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. I don't think it would be quite as... No, I think the words of that album are really amazing. So, probably not the same, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, these are fun thoughts. These are cool Thanks, things. everyone, for hanging in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hopefully you made... Hope. Yeah. You got it. 
Can I just mention to everybody that today's like the second 80 degree day? Yeah, it's hot. It's so beautiful. We're just having a good time. I really am. This is kind of how you want to live all day long. Er. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so nice because it rains quite a bit in the spring. So everything is like very green. Very green. It never really gets dry. Did you know in Arizona, they don't have like grass in their yards? Like most people just have rocks. It's like a desert. Well, yeah. It is a desert. Mm -hmm. I'd want to check it out just to see. Well, let us know Sorry. what you think about... <laughs> that's okay. Just, that was a fun little um, One time I went to the dentist, and I had to get x-rays done. And it was a, it was a, um, like a student thing. They were like, um, what do you call them? Hygienists? Like hygienist students. Dental hygienists, who yeah. Who were like learning stuff and things, so they were just testing things Spreaky. out. Right, so they were just kind of like, take the scalpel and just, just, just figure it out. <laughs> no. Um, she did the first, you know, like the cleaning and the... Anyway, so I was getting x-rays done. And so, you know, you, they put the thing in your mouth. You have to, like, bite down on it. And you have to hold really still. They put the camera right there. And then they take the picture and then all that. Well, yeah, yeah. So that's how it works. And so <laughs> she right took the picture. I was, like, 14 or 15 at the time or something like that. And after each thing, she's like, okay, I'm about to take the next picture. Okay, hold really still. One, two, three. And they take the picture. Great job. Really good job. And I felt a little, like, I think you're used to talking to, like, nine-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, keep going. Um finishes the cleaning and whatnot that actual like dentist or teacher or whatnot comes in and is you know talking and talking to her about like you know looking at my teeth and saying like oh you did a really good job and that happened mm-hmm. and that's cool and then she looked at the x-rays and she he was like really good x-rays and the hygienist goes it was all aiden <laughs> and i was like i mean i don't did you say something? all of it. no i didn't but i was a little like oh, i mean good. i bit down on something and held still i didn't <laughs> yeah. run this x-ray camera i don't know how complicated it is but i don't know how to do it I bit down on that thing and held still. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Appreciate the credit. Maybe she had like a really like antsy four-year-old one day. Yeah, maybe. And it was just like yeah. hard. I it was also funny because she had this little like, I think she was used to talking to younger people because mm-hmm. she had this little like scrap. She was talking about like importance of like flossing and brushing and oh. whatnot. <laughs> and so she was showing me this little like scrapbook thing that she had showing me like, here are some really healthy teeth. And she's like, and if you don't brush your teeth, then she flipped it. And I was like, oh, that's, you're like, ooh, oh yuck. And she made these like, ooh, yucky. Isn't that gross? Ooh. And that's yeah, that was <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm 14. Yeah. Were you like, did you look young? I can't remember. No, I hit my growth spurt no. when I was like 12. Yeah. I was like eight feet tall by the time I was 14. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Anyway, Sorry that about fun. that. That's it's awkward. okay. It's all right. I passed it. I think it was fun. <laughs> I, I still think that's. I tell. I bring it up to my mom all the time. Story. And my mom finds it so, so yeah, funny. Yeah, it is pretty funny. What were you gonna say? I have a good dentist story. Okay. We went to a dentist once, and like our insurance. Anyway, it's like kind of a. They give you. Um, you can do these hand wax. Like, so we walk in, and she's like, "Do you want to do the hand wax?" And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> Why the heck this not? This was like amazing. in the actual chair. No, then she was like, okay, come over here. So then we go out in the hallway, and there's, like, this bucket, okay. and you put your hands in. I was like, cool. Uh-huh. And then she puts, like, this plastic over it, and then I'm like, okay. And then she walks me back, and I'm sitting there. And that's, like, if so, you you know, dentists are a little, like, I'm, I'm a little nervous, right? Yeah. I want to be able to have my hands free to, like, kind of defend myself if something <laughs> happens. <laughs> but, like the one episode of Monk. <laughs> yeah. But I my hands are stuck in this wax and bag, like, the whole cleaning i was freaking out uh, it was just like i knew nothing was gonna happen but it's like that panic where you yeah. feel like i'm not in control 
Anyway, and now I'm really but my hands were so smooth after, so it's such a weird. So you're supposed to just like smooth out your hands, like, yeah. Or something? And maybe it was just something to like calm you, and maybe it was like a tactic. I mean, I don't mm. know by them to like keep you, you still. Well, apparently it worked because I didn't strike out. Or Would you have struck out? No. Had your hands not been waxed? <laughs> no, but I just like have them free. I just was a little claustrophobic. I feel. Uh-huh. Interesting. It was just funny. That's funny. It's such a ran- It just seems like a random thing. It's, it's like kinda... we're not at a spa. Yeah. Like. But maybe they're just trying to make it more pleasant for right. people. Sorry, that was such problem. a rabbit trail. Here we are with dentists. Are we Are we good to wrap Between up? Between Tags Season 3 is going to be exclusively, <laughs> we've got all the existential stuff out of the way, and now it's just going to be <laughs> dentist experiences. We're hoping to do a lot of, um, I don't know, uh, uh, topics and, and ideas that we discuss, us two together. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> How's that different from um, the last two seasons? Because we're like, you know, the new format we talked about, remember? Right. Where it's but like, it's like broader same, topics. Okay, we haven't sure, done that for sure, a while. Sure. Like a broad topic like this. Right. Some of my favorite so, episodes in the past have been us, like the one where we talked about the objectivity of art. Yeah. I loved that episode. So we're going to do we things like random. that more than like, because we kind of got through our favorite books, movies, like it might be a season or two before we update those. Right. So just giving people a heads up. So with that being said, we need your feedback. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Like, we're begging. Liv's running out of ideas. <laughs> no, Her but brain is almost empty. I just think that's so, like, how interesting. And, like, right. to take someone's question, simple, extravagant, uh, right. you know, broad. Or if or... you have further, I mean, this this conversation we had today is is far from over, I think. I think we can keep oh. going with this for a while. Oh, yeah. We could reach draft one of a conclusion. So I think if you have thoughts on this, go to Between Takes Music. No, no, no. OpalEntertainmentMusic.com slash Between Takes. You might need to say that a little slower. OpalEntertainmentMusic.com slash Between Takes. There you are. And there's a little form at the bottom. You can just fill that out, send it our way, and we will we will discuss away with that. Yes. Or if you have other so, questions or topic ideas, send them all over. We are looking for, forward to season three. That's kind of the theme for this season. Mm-hmm. So get ready. We're also looking for new bandmates. Um <laughs> <laughs> Aiden is... Aiden's leaving the band. So. <laughs> Unexpectedly for some unknown reason. Um, yeah. No. So if there are any hunky guitarists out there with great pearly whites and are great Yeah, we're looking for an upgrade, so... <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. So make him 18 feet tall. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, cool. everybody. We'll see you for season, uh, episode two. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Tune back in next week. For season two, wait. <laughs> Tune back in next week for a brand new episode of. Oh. So, so thanks so much for joining us this week, folks. So tune in next week for a brand new episode of. Between, Between takes. takes. Woo! I like that last quote.